This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? Welcome to this podcast. My name is Solomon Elite at Red Nation Hoops on Twitter. Here, joined by Forrest Walker at Do Nots on Twitter. How you doing, man? Uh, pretty good. It's Tuesday. It is Tuesday, and the NBA trade deadline is on Thursday at 2 p.m. Are Are you excited, Forrest? Uh, how have you been? How have you handled all this? Uh, the trade deadline is one of the best times in the NBA because stuff happens. It is and not just a not just a win or a loss, but real stuff, big stuff. Yeah, big stuff. Like Anthony Davis stuff. Um, so this week's been just insane. Like it's like I, I can't. It's been really hard to process that Kristaps Porzingis demanded a trade and was traded like two hours later. Like that's that's still like I, my brain still hasn't wired that in yet. Like that that that's how quickly it, it happened. Do you remember, Forrest, do you remember like in like the mid-2000s when the Rockets were really stockpiling assets and like it took, it usually, usually you'd get lucky if a trade candidate, like a star was, was demanded a trade once a year, right? Like or a significant player was moved on the trade market once a year, right? You remember that? Yeah, I mean, until, really it was until Mello uh, and his request, it was super rare. Yeah, like like now I feel like we're getting a, a trade request or a, a significant player gets moved every three to four months. Like that's wild to me. Like, that's crazy. Like, like can you imagine like in 2009 if a significant player was getting moved every three to four months? Like that's stupid. It's just stupid how often these transactions are happening now. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about whether or not this is good or bad for the NBA. I frankly think it's good. It's great. I think it's awesome. I think I think fans love this stuff. Uh, I, I I know there's this whole other you know well there's basketball games happening and you know maybe we should be paying more attention to that. I'm like, yeah, the, the people still pay attention to the basketball games. Like I'm I'm not sure if people like look at these ratings or if people look at Twitter when like a crazy game is going on, people care about these basketball games. That interest isn't dying off. This is just a new stream of interest that we just didn't have like 10 to 15 years ago. Yeah. It's really awesome. As long as it's not your team losing the headline player. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a rough week for Pelicans fans. It's been a rough 
couple months for Pelicans fans as they um, have to deal with this whole Anthony Davis, Davis saga. Uh, I don't think it's going to come to an end at, uh, at the trade deadline. <laughs> Frankly, I, I think I think the Pelicans are going to play this smart, and uh, I think we're probably going to see this end in June, probably. Yeah, sounds about right. Uh, I don't really see why the Pelicans would feel a strong need to get this done now, which is presumably on Anthony Davis and uh, and, and Rich Paul's timeline, because they're going to get good offers in the summer. And in fact, the Celtics can get involved then as well, which uh, that's a pretty big player that you might want to listen to offers from. So, yeah, well, I mean, let's go. Let's go in a little bit. So, uh, so as as we know, Anthony Davis requested a trade. Uh, which I believe his agent, Rich Paul, is going to get fined over. Yeah, I mean, this whole clutch stuff has been interesting to watch, but I just think, like, I haven't seen a trade like this since maybe Dwight Howard. Or, yeah, I think Dwight Howard's the last trade I've seen like this, where the tentacles of this trade just affects so much. Like, it, it, it has its hands on so many players and so many teams. Like, the amount of people in the NBA working in front offices or you know playing on the court that are affected by this are like dozens like dozens of people are affected by this one move it's going to change the course of NBA history for a very long time like the last time I remember something like this happening was Dwight Howard do you remember anything similar to this Anthony Davis saga like is Dwight Howard even a good comparison I don't know. I mean, you don't. The, the rapidity at which this has evolved is pretty breathtaking. Uh, usually, when this when something like this happens, somebody will request a trade uh, over the summer or something, and then things will shake out from there. But he re- he requested a trade like a week before the trade deadline, which presumably means that he would like to get traded at the deadline to uh, one of his chosen landing spots, which have been reported to be. The Lakers, Clippers, Knicks, or Bucks. Bucks. Uh, Did not see the, that coming. Uh, I mean, I like that one, and as much as that'd be a great spot for him playing alongside Giannis, uh, is sure probably it would. a but pretty did, good way did, to go, right? Did but, anyone see that coming? Like, did no. anyone see the Bucks becoming a potential trade suitor for Anthony Davis? I certainly did not see that like three months ago. Yeah, though, are they? I mean, are they offering anything? I don't know. So it's only gotten weirder. Everyone assumed that it was going to be the Lakers or nothing. Uh, the Lakers called with an insultingly low ball offer of what, like, two of the young guys and a and a and a first rounder and then like Lance Stevenson and or Rondo, uh, to which the Pelicans promptly laughed in their faces. Uh, now it seems that the Pelicans wanted basically the whole treasure chest, which. Why wouldn't they? Uh, and now the Lakers are uh, unhappy with it and have at, at last uh, notification cut off negotiations. So I think you're right. They're not going to do anything right away because they have no reason to do anything right away. Of course they're going to ask for a king's ransom. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, and like just the reaction from like Lakers Twitter is funny. It's like, yeah, you have to, to get a player like Anthony Davis, you have to give up some stuff. Like I'm sorry, you have to give up some stuff. Like you, you have to give up some good stuff. Otherwise, you're not gonna get Anthony Davis. Like I'm sorry. Like that's just the way it's always worked. Like to get a good, to get a really, really freaking good player, you have to trade a lot of assets. That's what. The, that's the whole point of a war chest. That's that's why you have accumulated 
all all these assets, all all this young talent. It's it's to eventually get to a point where you could trade for a player like Anthony Davis, and you know, like the official reporting from Woj was, was that you know the Pelicans, do, no, not the Pelicans, the Lakers don't want to negotiate against themselves, and and, that, and that's perfectly fair too. Like I get it. If if the Pelicans aren't being reasonable or if they're not being responsive, I understand hanging up and being like, you know what, we're not doing this. We're not. If, if you're not going to seriously counter offer, if you're going to make us bid against ourselves, we're not going to do it. But at the same time, there's this amounting pressure to get a deal done before the deadline because as soon as the deadline passes, one team goes right to the front of the bus, right to the front of the bus. The Boston Celtics, by far, can outbid any other team. And that's the only leverage the Lakers have right now is that they the, the Celtics cannot make a trade right now, and like it's it's just it's just fascinating to watch. Like like I don't think personally if like if you ask me right now, I don't think that the Pelicans will cave. I think this, this Lakers offer will be there in June. I think the Celtics will be there in June. I think a bunch of other sneaky teams will be there in June uh, with really good offers and. Uh, we haven't seen how the lottery is going to develop, like how some of these picks are going to turn out. Like, I think that stuff's super important too. The playoffs, like the playoffs, is going to determine whether or not some of these free agents stay in their markets. Like Kyrie Irving, like Kyrie Irving is suddenly a huge question mark that is revolving around the entire league that I didn't see coming until the Porzingis trade. But it's just so many tentacles. Like it, it, it touches so many things in so many teams. Like, like it's, it's, it's wild. It is wild. Yeah, I mean, for example, knowing who has the first overall pick is going to be big for the Pelicans. Wouldn't you want a shot at Zion? Yeah, I would if I were them. And you don't know who's going to get that until the summer, so they're really incentivized to to wait unless they get some really compelling offer, and that's going to take everything the Lakers have. Everything. I mean, do the Pelicans even want Lonzo? Do they want to deal with that headache? Do they want someone to compete with Drew for minutes? I don't know. I don't. I mean, they they do seem to want a uh, like a, a young point guard, but do they want that one? That's the big question with the Lakers. What? Like, of course they're gonna ask for six to eight picks because if the Lakers get Davis, then you expect they're going to be very good, if not elite, for a number of years, which means their picks aren't going to be very good. And other than the picks, what's great? It's just Ingram, uh, Kuzma, and Ball, basically. And look, I maybe I'm just like lower on those guys than most people are, but they haven't panned out the way that they were promised to by Lakers world. They're just decent. So I don't... I mean, I don't know what the Lakers expected with this frankly mediocre pile of assets yeah and you know i think i'm a little bit higher on lonzo than you are but i agree like like for the for the most part as of this moment there isn't a there isn't a star you can pick out from that bunch where like you can guarantee write it down mark it down this player is going to be somebody to watch the next four to five years like i don't think you can seriously say anybody on that roster right now sticks out at you uh Brandon. I think Lonzo's probably the best of the lot of them, but also he has the most weird downsides, right? You have to deal with the whole the whole ball family going on, uh, and he probably doesn't want to be there. He wants to be in Los Angeles, so you have this other whole other headache happening, like I, not just his play, but the, the attendant issues that come with him don't seem very desirable if you're the Pelicans. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, there's still a lot of buzz around Brandon Ingram, uh, which, uh, you know, you see it in flashes. I'm not there with Brandon Ingram. I I don't think he's as hot a commodity as some people do. Um, But I I do think they have stuff, right? They have intriguing assets. And um, I do think the the offer that they can post to the Pelicans is compelling. Like, I think it's it's a, a lot more compelling than what most teams not named the Celtics can offer, I would say. And that's kind of the whole point of this exercise here. It's like, should we wait for the Celtics? And do we believe the Celtics are going to put all their all their blue chippers on the table? Do we think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to be in the deal? Do we think Marcus Smart is going to be in the deal? Do we think the Kings pick is going to be in the deal? Like, it, it, it's really like... Dell Demps has a tough job here. He has to estimate what he believes Boston will put on the table in June, and that's that's just hard. That's just hard to do, understand what what a team is going to offer you. Like, I, presumably, they, they'll offer everything. They'll offer everything but the kitchen sink. Um, and you know, obviously, they can't. They they won't offer literally everything, but they they can offer the most. I would say, and that's why I believe. Ultimately, this Anthony Davis stuff is really fun right now. I don't think it's going to result in anything anytime soon. So, do we do we want to talk about stuff that's actually happened right now? Yeah, uh, not just you know uh, talk about what might be because we could connect the dots to like what can Houston try to make a deal for someone on the Pelicans roster? But I think you're right; nothing's going to happen for a while. So, uh, things actually are happening though. So, uh, you know, let's move on to that. Let's talk about the Porzingis trade. So. Before we get into the Rockets end of things, so, so let's talk about the actual trade here. So I thought this trade was fascinating, and I didn't want to make a judgment on the trade until we got all the details, and I'm glad we did. I, I didn't because, like, I, I the more I stew in this offer, this this trade, the more I like it more for the Knicks because yes, they traded Kristaps Porzingis, and yes, uh, that he is a really really good asset and a really really good player. Uh, moving forward and the Dallas Mavericks are lucky to have him but they protected themselves by getting these two first round draft picks back and they got Dennis Smith Jr. and they got a crap load of cap space and future flexibility wise they're sitting really nice they're sitting really nice even even if they don't land Kyrie or Kevin Durant or or any significant free agent this summer like it, it will definitely look worse if they don't but if they roll over that cap space into 2020, like that's not a bad o- trade at all. Like, like unless you're 100% sure Porzingis was going to come back and he was going to be healthy and he was going to look really great and uh, he was going to be happy and he was going to he was he wasn't going to sign the qualifying offer, which reporting says he was going to sign the qualifying offer. Like, there's no guarantee that you would have ended up with a happy, happy and healthy Porzingis. And that's why I like this trade a lot for the Knicks. Uh, I, I do, I do respect the gamble on the Mavs part, and I I, th- I think it makes a lot of sense for them. In the front, like immediately, it makes more sense for the Mavericks than it does the Knicks. But when you really stew in this offer, I really like it for both teams. To be honest, uh, yeah, the the cap relief is I think the big star for the Knicks. Uh, especially given the rumors that a number of stars who are interested in going to New York for, I guess, I guess New York's a great place to live. Uh, I'll say that. 
I I'll never really understand the ongoing like NBA player obsession with the New York Knicks, especially given how clearly dysfunctional that organization is. I mean, literally, Chris Porzingis just bolted his way out of there at full speed because that is a completely malfeasant org. But uh, sure, I guess Kevin Durant and uh, and Kyrie Irving have to go to New York to realize they shouldn't have gone to New York. I will say I do trust this new regime under Scott Perry a lot more than I did when it was under the under the thumb of Phil Jackson. Like I, I do feel a lot more confident in the direction of the Knicks like today than I did six months ago because they seem to be making making a lot of smart long term moves and and while clearing a lot of cap space for 2019 the summer of 2019 does feel like a you know win now we got to go for it type of move it isn't if you roll the cap space over and it isn't if you get draft picks back in return and it isn't if you if you got rid of some truly ludicrous contracts in the process like moving tim hardaway jr and courtney lee's contracts were like a lot of people thought it couldn't be done and the Knicks did it, and they did it at the price of Porzingis, and they got some draft compensation back. So, I I, I do like this. I do trust the organiz- the direction of this this Knicks franchise a lot more than I did in 2016 because I, I do think they're making some smart long term decision making moves. But let's talk about the Rockets because I I think a lot of our listeners are probably t- sick of us talking about other teams, and we're at the 15 minute mark here. So it's 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 only right that we talk about the team that we cover. Um, so this trade has a lot of repercussions in that not only is it going to be a big deal in the summer of 2019, but right now this trade has like it's it's significantly improved the buyout market because you know obviously in the trade the Knicks got Wesley Matthews and DeAndre Jordan two huge contracts that are going to expire this season and there's a lot of talk about them entering the buyout market and Tim McMahon reported just two days ago that the Rockets would be very interested in Wesley Matthews should he get bought out what do you think of this Forrest uh I mean the Rockets should pick up everyone they can on the buyout market uh I think either of those guys would uh fit in well on Houston uh, definitely at the price they'd be available for. Now, they both are have their own attendant issues. Wes Matthews ha- is not the same player as he used to be. Right, uh, and that's important. Some, yeah. Like, he was great, and then, you know, he got He, rupt- he ruptures Achilles. <laughs> like, yeah. That's a serious yeah. injury. That's That make that hurts everybody going forward. No one's ever like been the same player afterwards on that kind of injury. But he still can contribute uh, in... Presumably, I mean, it would be a bench role, but that's still critical. Uh, same, same he's thing still with a damn good shooter. Like he's still yeah. a damn, damn good shooter. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't go away. Yeah. Uh, DeAndre Jordan will be good too. I think. I mean, he he has a similar game to Capella. He's just a what's what's the what's a nice way to put older and to older and slower. Uh, <laughs> he, yeah. See, like. The the DeAndre Jordan stuff, I'm just not too hot on DeAndre Jordan right now because I watched him these past few months like drag his feet and like look so disinterested and like his, the Mavs were exciting there for a minute and he was playing like that for an exciting team and that's kind of why I'm just like 
I'm not sure if DeAndre Jordan would be someone the Rockets should, you know, go all in on. Like, I don't think that's someone you should waste your your taxpayer MLE on because, like, he just looks like he doesn't care. Like, he looks like he's like he's stealing rebounds from teammates. He's like he doesn't he doesn't want to he doesn't want to jump for anything. Like, and like in terms of dunks, like he has like I think in terms of his dunk rate, it's like I think it might be the lowest of his career. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, like he just looks like, and you know, there's a big possibility that that turns around here in Houston. He is obviously from Houston, um, and this is a con- not a con- this is a playoff team right now, and so there's a possibility that De- Jordan would be reinvigorated, reinvigorated in Houston, but I don't think that's who the Rockets should keep their eye on. Like especially with the addition of Kenneth Fareed, I think the Rockets are all good at center. Yeah, the I can see him picking him up for the minimum, perhaps, and seeing what you can do with that. Yeah, at the you minimum, know. I wouldn't be too mad, I guess. Right? Yeah, because like, because maybe that lets you do something with Nene, but Nene's a. I mean, I wouldn't move Nene unless it's materially helpful because he is a really good locker room presence and he's already on the team. So there's really no need to replace Nene with DeAndre Jordan. I think. I mean, DeAndre Jordan is a bit better than him, uh, but they're both and they both will be end of bench guys when healthy. So I don't think it's a big. I don't think it matters very much. I think West Matthews would be a much more meaningful uh, uh, bench upgrade. Right, and, and it should be noted that he's not the same defensive level defensive player he was two or three years ago. Like, well, he, he certainly isn't. Yeah, yeah, it, it, he he is very shaky on that end at this point. But it, it should be noted that the Rockets don't have anything in the wings. Like we're talking Gerald Green. James Ennis, like guys who have not given the Rockets anything. Like Gerald Green has given the Rockets quality shooting, and that's great. But other than you know some spurts from James Ennis here or there, the Rockets just don't have much in the way of quality wings. And getting Wesley Matthews to be like your third or fourth wing, like I don't think that's bad. Like I think you know it's getting him to play twenty minutes per game uh, would significantly make your roster deeper. Uh, I don't think he would start. Obviously, uh, I, I think I think he's a quality bench player that can provide good shooting and decent defense when called upon. Like I don't think he's ever going to provide what he did for the Blazers, but I think he's a good pickup if the Rockets can get their hands on him. Well, you know who our guest last time and friend of the program, Matt Moore, said Houston should look at trading for Scarrett Temple. Yeah, yeah, and the Rockets are in talks with the Memphis Grizzlies about moving on from Brandon Knight. And this is obviously, uh, it, this doesn't come as a big surprise because the Rockets' biggest trade chip was Brandon Knight this whole time. And the Rockets' biggest hopes going into the trade di- trade deadline was Brandon Knight and a first-round pick, and let's see where that what that gets you, right? And it looks like the Grizzlies are in serious talks with the Rockets' um, in terms of getting a deal done for a quality wing. And there's a lot of smoke here. Uh, there was two reports. Uh, not only was there a report from uh, Zach Lowe, but there was a report from Kevin O'Connor. Kevin O'Connor was the first person to report that the Rockets were, were talking about trading Brandon Knight to the Memphis Grizzlies. And so I think there's some serious smoke here. I, I think it's a report that should be taken seriously. And I think that... The, the Grizzlies have some wings that can provide Houston with a lot of depth. 
Yeah, and they're not really incentivized to uh, to make much of an effort to be good this year. They seem to pick up some assets, pile up some assets, get it. I mean, Brandon Knight would be a useful trade piece for the next season. He's expiring next season. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's good reason for the Grizzlies to do this, especially given that they appear to be shopping uh, Connolly and Gasol as well. So I can see it. Uh, I, I'd i like to see that because I think Garrett Temple would look great uh, in a Rockets uniform again. I, we can ask this question, but I, th- I feel like it's fairly obvious. What's Houston's biggest need entering the trade deadline? I mean, given... All right, so before they picked up Kenneth Fareed, I think there was a debate, but at this point, it's a defensive wing. It's They they were able to get a uh, rebounding big... I mean, they could, they needed a wing who... They need, like, a three who can play the four and rebound as well, optimally, uh, but that's kind of a, a hard ask, honestly. So it's just, they just need someone who can defend at the three. That's That's really the biggest thing. They need a dependable, dependable wing that they can look to to guard Kevin Durant in a possible playoff series. Like, as of this moment, you look on the roster and you can say, yeah, P.J. Tucker, maybe. But everybody else, it looks like like they'd get torched. Like, they, they would get absolutely torched in a series where they had to go defend Kevin Durant. Because, you, again, you can't guard him with just one person. You need multiple bodies. And the Rockets so far only have one realistic body to throw at Kevin Durant and the Rockets it that that makes it abundantly clear that the Rockets really need a a wing defender with quality size is is how I would define it <clears throat> so it can't just be any wing like you can't just get like Terrence Ross like you you have to get a wing with significant size I'm talking like six seven six eight six nine a a, a good wingspan um, I'm talking like six ten to seven feet, like, and someone who can obviously keep up with their guy, <laughs> like someone who can move their feet. And so, like, you, when you when you whittle it down, like those wings are few and far between, but there there are they are out there, um, and the Rockets um, are probably going to be in, in every discussion for pretty much any quality wing you see on uh, the market clo- entering the trade deadline. Uh, speaking of which, Trevor Reza, apparently uh, the Lakers would like to pick him up, but the Wizards don't want to get worse this season for reasons which are currently beyond me. Yeah, I, I don't want to talk about the Wizards. I, I, I just, <laughs> they're just so depressing. They're so depressing. Should we get to questions? Yeah, let's get to questions. we got a few. Let's let's answer this first question to get it out of the way. Uh, from at Darren Champs. What's up with Rachel Nichols hating on Harden all the damn time? Um, so I, 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 I'm actually a big fan of the jump. I watch the jump all the time. Uh, I think it's the best, you know, NBA television show by far. It's it, it's it's good quality stuff. And I think Rachel Nichols does a great job. And I think I can see where Darren is coming from in that she... Uh, she mentions every now and then when they're when they're talking about James Harden on the show, like about how he gets worn out towards you know closer to the postseason. And to that, I would say you know that's a reasonable criticism. I don't think that's I don't think Rachel Nichols is hating. I think he does get tired towards the, the postseason. I think uh, she she brings up the concerns that the Rockets are putting too much on him and that this is possibly going to hurt them in the long run. Like I don't think that's at all a bad you know. 
at all a, an illogical thing to say. I think I think Rachel Nichols has been pretty reasonable in her coverage of James Harden. Uh, yeah, she's a big Spurs fan also, and there's been a, a bit of a rivalry there, I guess. It seems like Spurs Wait. fans don't like the Rockets. Are, are you thinking of Michelle Beadle? Oh, she's Michelle Beadle. Sorry. No, Rachel Nichols has always been fair. You're right. Sorry. For some reason, I assumed it would be her because she actually is a little bit mean about James Harden. Yeah, Rachel Nichols has always been fine. I don't know why, why there's a, a concern about her. Yeah, I don't see it. Sorry, Darren. Um, so this is from at Norman Tanaka. If we do make a trade and if Maury f- fishes in the buyout market, one, is there not a consensus that it would make it, it would be hard to acclimate more new players, parentheses, we already have two bu- buyout candidates, and two, will this continue to be a trend in future years for our team with limited cap space? So... Uh, I'll answer the first question first. Is there not a consensus that it would be hard to acclimate more new players since the Rockets already have two buyout candidates? I would say um, no, because I think that the Rockets have been pretty good at acclimating players midseason. Like, if you look at their history, they've always done this. This is, is kind of like Daryl's calling card. He loves improving midseason. And I don't They're think. They're also not running the most complicated offense in the world. Yeah, it's it's not like. I, I think defensively it's, it's a little bit hard to acclimate, but I mean it's not like the Rockets are world beaters on defense. It's not it's not like I think at this point anybody they can add that can provide them with good minutes on on the perimeter, whether it be a buyout candidate or a trade candidate, is a positive. I don't think the Rockets are suited to just go on the playoffs as is. And his second question. Will this continue to be a trend in future years for the Rockets with limited cap space? So, yeah, it is. Hopefully, it, yes. Yeah, I mean, the Rockets are capped out. They are. Uh, it's it's hard for them to improve in the summer because they don't have that many resources, resources to go out and acquire players. Like, it's they're going to have to re- rely on buyouts. Like, it's like they're going to have to keep their taxpayer MLE. A lot of the times, they're, they aren't going to spend it in the summer. A lot of times they're going to keep it. Uh, they're going to keep their powder dry for the for the buyout can for the buyout market, and I don't think it's a bad thing. Like this is this is the natural progression of contenders, right? And granted, the Rockets aren't playing like contenders. Um, this is this is what normally happens. Once you use more and more of your money, you're going to have to depend on these cheap players uh, on the buyout market. Like it's it's just it's just the way it is. Yeah. That's the design. It's supposed to be that uh, as your team gets too good, it's hard to keep it together, and you have to just yeah pick up guys at the minimum. Yeah, and sorry if you guys hear my phone in the background. Like, so. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Sorry if you guys hear my phone in the background. Like, it's it's. I just keep it on because I don't want to miss anything from the trade. Go ahead. Uh, see, I want to answer a question very quickly uh, from at Biohazard ten twenty nine. Who is your ideal player to get any position? Uh, I would like to get LeBron James. LeBron, LeBron might be good for the Rockets. LeBron, LeBron <laughs> could help. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. You know, the Lakers are growing tired of him. You know, you you could see a situation <laughs> where they buy him out. Um, <laughs> at Doby underscore Little, is there any way salary wise the Rockets can free up within two years to demand to put us in better position to contend? Roster is clearly flawed, flawed, and also can the Rockets keep free and Rivers next year? So, I'll answer. I'll answer the latter first. Um, can the Rockets keep Fareed and Rivers going into the summer? 
So they're going to have limited resources. Um, they're going to have all their minimums, obviously. Uh, they're going to have the taxpayer MLE. And they're going to have... Uh, I don't think they even have... Do they have their biannual this season, Forrest? Uh, yeah, because they used it last summer. They used it on Tariq Black a couple years ago. Yeah, so, so I think they have it back again this coming summer. Okay, so they'll have their biannual. And that's pretty much it. So I would say there is a pretty good chance that you can possibly get one or both of them to get to sign for a minimum contract. And if either of them demands the taxpayer MLE, I'd be thoroughly surprised if the Rockets give it to them. Um, I, I think they're more likely to sign, one of those players is more likely to sign for the biannual exception. Yeah, uh, I basically it comes down to if they want to stay on the Rockets or not. That's really it. Because, uh, like you said, middle exception is going to be a, a bit much for them. And I think that depending on how the season goes, they can probably... They might have a market for that, depending on how good they look during the rest of the season in the playoffs. Uh, if things don't go great, then they might just want to leave anyway because that's not fantastic. But if they look pretty good, I mean, the team does well, maybe they want to stick around or maybe someone else offers them more. But yeah, the Rockets can't really... It's sort of out of the hands a little bit. If someone offers them more money than the Rockets can afford, then that's all there is to it. Um, from at Norman Tanaka... Could the Rockets get involved in the Memphis-Charlotte transaction for Mark Gasol by landing wings Temple and Jamichael Green and Marvin Williams? Uh, is it feasible, and is there has there been any legitimate rumors that relate to these teams? I don't think they need to be part of that, uh, make part of a three-team deal, though, in that case. It'll just be an independent transaction. I was just about to say, like, the, there's, I, I think that's completely unrelated to what the Rockets are trying to do. I think that's going to be a straight-up, you know, two-team trade. There is no true four on the roster. Oh, from, by the way, this is from Dr. Paul Moss. Um, there is no true four on the roster. Interior defense and rim protection is the weakest area. Why are the Rockets looking for yet another wing? Well, because the Rockets have not played with a true four on the roster for a couple years now. Uh, the last true four they've had on the roster was Ryan Anderson. And Ryan Anderson, I'm not sure if you guys remember, did not play in the playoffs for the Rockets last season. Uh, the Rockets play very, very small. They like having switchable wings. They like having the way the Rockets like to defend, the way they like to play offense, the way they play demands the Rock them having a bunch of switchable wings that can defend multiple positions and uh, rebound the ball well, and you know obviously have good size while not compromising rebounding. So that's pretty much why they're not going after a four. Uh, I had suggested Derek Favors a couple weeks ago before they acquired Kenneth Fareed. But I think once Clint Capella comes back, I think a lot of their rebounding issues will be will be fixed. I'm not sure if they're ever going to become a good rebounding team. But I think once you, once you get Capella back and once Kenneth Fareed moves to the bench, I think they'll solve a lot of it. Yeah, if they can pick up a, a forward who can rebound, then they can improve the rebounding just by having a, some good gang rebounding for once. So, uh, yeah, the rebounding is not going to be elite ever uh, with this roster. But, yeah, I, I mean, the four the four position barely exists for in D'Antoni's system, right? That's why they play P.J. Tucker so much there. So, I, I in a way, picking up another you know defending, rebounding wing is like picking up another another four. Right. Uh, the forwards are kind of interchangeable. Yeah, it's pretty much like the wings that they have play like three positions. They play small forward, power forward, and center. 
Like the, the, that's like that's kind of what you're looking at with the wing and D'Antoni system, and I think that's that's kind of why I emphasize having grabbing a wing with size at the deadline, so they can play him at the at the power forward position, and they they can improve the rebounding a little bit. Um, and as far as rim protection, like obviously Clint Capella will help a little bit there, but I'm not sure if um, rim protection will really be an issue if they can get quality wings that don't that you know can prevent penetration in the first place because that's been a big problem for them this year like they just allow so much penetration to where rim protection becomes a huge huge necessity and if they can prevent that penetration in the first place you won't need as much rim protection yeah it isn't like they had some wing protect or some uh, some rim protector last season who left in the interim it was clint capella then it's clint capella now yeah and uh, pj tucker that's, that's pretty much yeah. it like they've had two guys playing the center position and what happened was last year they had more wings to prevent penetration and drives the basket. And uh, James Harden obviously was a better defender last year than he was this year. Um, but from at rap sheet zero, are the Rockets looking at Terry Rozier and Jalen Brown? As far as I'm concerned, at rap sheet, I don't think the Celtics are looking at moving those two guys unless they yeah. get um, unless they get a player like Anthony Davis. I'd, hey, might as, well, might as well look at him. I guess I mean they can look at them. They're not, <laughs> not going to get them. Uh, the type of wings the Rockets are going to try to acquire are going to be on non-playoff teams. Uh, they're going to be on teams that are far out of it and uh, are looking for first-round picks in compensation. That's why the Rockets aren't even. Pro- they probably haven't even called Boston because there's no way they're going to get a deal done with them. Yeah, uh, and to go back to what we were saying in the, at the top of the show also, Boston definitely isn't going to deal anything right now because they need to keep their powder dry for the summer. Yep. Um, from Rock, at RocketsFan4Ev, most realistic trade target, Bazemore, Terrence Ross, Jamichael Green, and Garrett Temple, Wesley Matthews. Who, in your opinion, will we get? As far as... What realistic wings that they'll target? I wrote about this a little bit last week, but pretty much, look at big wings that aren't on playoff teams. Who is the most realistic? I guess you could say, as of this moment, Jamichael Green and Garrett Temple are the most realistic because there has been a lot of smoke with the Grizzlies, and it would make a lot a lot of sense if they get a deal done, considering that the Grizzlies are looking to move on from Marcus and Mike Conley. It look it seems like the type of wings the Rockets are targeting are on expiring contracts. Uh, yeah, and I mean they wouldn't turn down a uh, a Kent Bazemore if that came available as well. But it can just seems like the the Hawks are wanting to hang on to him, so uh, that ship seems to have sailed. Yeah. Um. We're getting a lot of the same questions. Realistic wing, realistic target, realistic. Like, it's a lot of the same question over and over again. Um, I guess this is different. Um, at D. Son Noiki, how realistic is it that we get Garrett Temple and Jamichael Green and Wesley Matthews and DeAndre Jordan? Um, all four of those guys, it's probably not that realistic. <laughs> uh, I think. If you're looking at two or three of those guys, yeah, I think that's that's pretty realistic, man. Like it's 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 looking like the like they can really snap two quality wings by the end of March. Like I I think there's a realistic possibility where the Rockets can fill up 
you know, with their taxpayer MLE and with their first round pick this season, I think there's a possibility that the Rockets grab two quality wings before the playoffs. Yeah, uh, it's totally reasonable. I mean, those are not like those guys aren't like world beaters. But that's fine. They don't they don't need that kind of guy. They need the kind of guy that those guys are. So uh, it's a situation that makes sense for both teams. There's been plenty of rumors about it. Uh, it seems totally reasonable to suspect that it might happen. So if you want your realistic deal, that's your realistic deal. And then, of course, it always ends up being something you don't expect with uh, with Maury. So it could be a totally different realistic deal nobody thought of. Yeah, and Justin Holiday, someone I would keep an eye on too for the Grizzlies. Uh, he's he's really young and really good. Uh, and I, I thought that was someone the Rockets should have targeted before. Um, before he was traded to the Grizzlies for two second round picks, and there's a there's a possibility that the Rockets might try skating by without trading their 2019 first. I would just keep an eye on that because if they can get someone for cheaper than that and, and preserve that 2019 first, uh, they will they will do it. They will they will try and do that. But as with everything, they're they're trying to move Brandon Knight, and if you're trying to get off his salary, you're probably gonna have to move a first round pick. Yeah, it's that's totally correct. Uh... Because even even players who are on a similar salary or similar deal with similar levels of years, like but another two year deal, you're still going to have to sweeten that pot for them to take on Brandon Knight because uh, you wouldn't be getting off of him if he was worth playing currently. Right. Um, from at Quinn Oliveras. How gettable is Miritich or Deadman for Houston in y'all's opinion? So I think Miritich is actually very gettable. I'm not sure if he's on Houston's radar. Because, again, I think they want someone who can play three or four positions. And I I don't think Miritich can do that. Yeah, I mean, I think he would be good in Houston, but... He wouldn't be worth the price. He would be. He would be a good ad. Like he would. He would definitely help the Rockets. But I don't think that's who they want. Like I think he solves some of their problems. But the Rockets want someone that that check that checks a little bit more boxes. That checks some more boxes. Uh, as far as Deadman, I don't know if Deadman's like that much of a meaningful upgrade over Kenneth Fareed at the backup center spot. Like I don't. Like I think the Rockets are fine there. Like. If the Rockets are going to get anybody else at center, you would think it would be DeAndre Jordan. But, again, we talked about that earlier. Like Even DeAndre Jordan, I'm not sure if if they're crazy about DeAndre at this stage of his career. I think, as far as big men are concerned, I, th- I think I think Kenneth Fareed solves a, band-aids a lot of their problems. And I think their real problems start at size. And size can be, you know, can be attainable in the form of a wing, is what I would say. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, That's been a lot. That was a lot of trade talk that has happened over the past uh, about an hour. It was a lot. It was a lot. I have I have a bit of a headache. Um, let's get to this last question. Um, who is the like? And, and you joked with this question earlier, but I, I want to answer it seriously. So from at Biohazard ten twenty nine, who is your ideal player to get any position? Um, so I think the Rockets should try and get someone that they can look at retaining long term. Um, someone that is again, like I said earlier in the podcast, big, lengthy, young-ish. Like doesn't have to be too, doesn't have to be too young. It doesn't have to be like twenty-five. It can be like twenty-eight to thirty-two. Can shoot the three ball reasonably, and can defend 
multiple positions. And someone like that is I, I would look I would look strongly at Jamichael Green. Like I, I love Jamichael Green for this Rockets team. If they can get Jamichael Green, that's someone I think makes a ton of sense. Um there are a bunch of other players you can say that fit this mold, but I think Jamichael checks mo- more boxes than any other player. Yeah, he's a really great fit, and it's hard to it's hard to ignore because he is available, and the price would be would be doable, right? So as far as like, I'm assuming this is you know they mean like a like a realistic target. He is a realistic target who would be a huge get because uh, there's a lot of I mean there's a lot of really good defensive lengthy wings they could pick up, but most of them aren't available. Uh, most of them are not realistic targets or would be way too expensive if they are even vaguely gettable. So uh, I think it is Jermichael Green. Like he's He's been in the center of the rumors for a reason uh, because it's just kind of a, a no-brainer that he meets both what they need and uh, and is on the market. Yeah, I would be thoroughly surprised if the if the Rockets venture out and try to grab somebody that hasn't been discussed yet. Like they're gonna, they're not gonna surprise us just for the sake of surprising us. Like they're who who can fix the Rockets has been a very avid topic of discussion the entire season. Right. Yeah. I I, I think I think what we're looking at with the Rockets is they're they're going to make a trade for a wing. Uh, Daryl has said this. And we have talked about this all season. It's a huge, it's a huge need. They don't have anybody reliable there, and it's going to be at this point. It's just what wing are they going to get? And that's that's what's that's what's really fun here. And how is that trade going to work out? If that's or if that's an expiring contract. Right now, it looks like they want an expiring contract. Yeah, it gives you some interesting flexibility in the off season. But yeah, these are all things that I'm looking forward to being able to discuss once we once we actually have a finished deal. Holy crap, we yeah. talked a long time. But this is this is the most exciting time of the year, man. Like this is our most this is one of our most listened to podcasts every year, without fail. It's always free agency, trade deadline, and like all the other transaction dates you can think of. They're always they're always the most listened to podcasts and um it should be interesting to see how this one does. Yeah, uh, and only a couple days to go before everything that can happen does happen. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Follow me on Twitter at NBA. Follow Forrest on Twitter at DoNots. How do you spell that, Forrest? D-U-N-O-T-S. And yeah, guys, good night. <laughs> <laughs>